Thank you for that. Appreciate that this morning. I've not heard that one. Blessing to our hearts this morning. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6 this morning. Genesis chapter 6. Pastor Mark's words, it is hard to believe that it's Father's Day already, and, uh, but it's here. So I do trust that you'll have opportunity, if your parents, your father is still alive, uh, to wish him a good day and uh, thank him for being your father and uh, being the impact on, on your life that they have been. I'll be calling my dad uh, sometime this afternoon. Uh, He's the last of the parents left, and uh, so glad that I can still give him a call and uh, talk with him. But let's remember our fathers today on this, a day that we remember them. Genesis chapter 6, we'll be reading verses 5 through 13. As we consider this passage this morning, God's man in an evil society. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of similarities that I trust will be a blessing and an encouragement to us in the day in which we live today. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Appreciate that next word, but. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Let's pray. Father, we come to thee this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that is ours as believers who are gathered here this morning, Father, to be together, to fellowship one with another, to lift our voices in praise and worship of thee. And Father, now as we take time to open thy word, may our hearts be open, that we have set aside the cares and distractions of the world which would so easily distract us, and Father, rob us of the truth of thy word. We pray knowing that the Holy Spirit is here for where two or three are gathered together in thy name. You are here in the midst. And so we pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will now take thy word and use it in each of our hearts, molding us and shaping us into the image of Christ, drawing that sinner that is lost unto thyself, convicting and convincing them of their lost condition, their sinful condition, and, Father, their need of trusting Christ who died in their place for their sins. And again, Father, may they, before they leave this building, be wondrously born again. May they yield their hearts to that convicting of the Holy Spirit. May we see them having trusted Christ as their Savior. Father, do that work that only you can. 
And we give you all the praise and honor and glory for what will be accomplished today in the hearts of these people. In Jesus' name, amen. In the passage we have before us this morning, we have, I believe, a description of our current society. It's corrupt. It's evil. Wicked. Wickedness abounds, regardless of what our newspapers may say or think. The world is not getting to be a better place to live. Any of us that have some years on us know that you think back 50 or 60 years ago, you could leave your house unlocked, no fear of intruders. How many of us do that today? You don't need to raise your hand. (laughs) Others might be looking. (laughs) But, you know, typically we don't, do we? Instead, we have deadbolts, we have alarm systems, we have video cameras, we may even have a few four-legged critters, and, or we may have all of the above to try to ensure and dissuade the would-be intruders. My, how times have changed. I can't say that I can remember living in a place that was unlocked um, in, in my homes and growing up around various parts of the country because we did just that. We grew up in various parts of the country, so we never really knew that part of the country per se. You know, Growing up in one place, you would know your neighbors, you knew who they were, and uh, you know, we didn't have that privilege. So uh, to my knowledge, I don't think we ever lived in a place where we left our doors unlocked. Uh, particularly at night. Um, They were unlocked during the day so the kids could get back in. Mom did want us to come back in, so did Dad. But, you know, we have those things going on. Ladies used to be able to walk at night without fear. Now they may be out with their big dogs or mace or a handgun. They've gone through self-defense classes uh, to dissuade anybody that might try to, you know, do them harm. Why do we have those things going on? It's because of sin. Too often times I think society forgets that. I mean, because they don't want to acknowledge their sin, but when you look at the world around us, the underlying problem is that simple three-letter word, sin. And there is the answer to that, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessed privilege we have to be able to show them the Savior, because our world, in seeking to make it look safer, I mean, stop to consider, has just lowered the bar of what is decent and acceptable behavior. It is so sad to see, and people so blinded to that idea that if we lower the bar, things will get better. And yet, that's what we have. Drunkenness, is acceptable these days. Divorce is acceptable, even encouraged, when maybe it shouldn't have been encouraged. I realize there are times and places for it. Killing unborn babies just because that life is inconvenient to the mother. Homosexuality is acceptable. Yet at one time, even that was considered against the law in some states because they saw it as deviant behavior unacceptable in society 
But look at what we have today. A bar for what is acceptable, again, has become so low that anything and everything is becoming the norm. Who would have ever thought just 40 years ago as the gay movement started gathering acceptance that they would now have this long alphabet that is acceptable. We opened a Pandora's box that far too much in the society never saw was going to come. And when you accept one thing, you must, by the very fact that you accepted it, must accept everything else because you've lowered the bar. You've removed the standard, which used to be God's word, for what is right. And when you've removed it, there's nothing to stop anything else from coming down the pike. So when we consider that and when we read chapter 6, to me it's like we're reading the newspapers. It's today. This is the society in which we live. But thankfully there are those like Noah that still find grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's a wonderful thought to read through the scriptures and find that three-letter word, but. And then find what comes afterwards. Because typically what's ahead of it is not very good, which we've already seen here. God looks at the world and says, it's in wickedness, and my judgment is coming upon them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Thankfully, we know the end of the story. We know that God's judgment is coming again on this world. May it be said of us, but you fill in the blank. You found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Thankfully, there is a rapture to occur. And the but is he's taking his children home before that judgment. What a blessed thought. But I found God's grace. It was sufficient for my sin. And I'll not see God's judgment poured out upon this earth, at least not from the vantage point of being on the earth. May we be faithful in telling others. But let us look at Noah because he's the man that is the focus here. As God sees the wickedness of mankind. And this isn't many generations down from Adam. But man has so turned its back on the God of creation. Rejecting the stories that would have been handed down. Blessed stories. I mean, yes, man is sinful, but look at God's grace that was poured out to them. Yes, Adam sinned, Eve sinned, but God in his mercy and grace provided a sacrifice for that sin. And that sacrifice was available to any and all. But here we have just a few generations down the road, and people have rejected that. The same is true today. 
I mean, thankful that we can find folks that are willing to listen to the gospel and pray that God would bring conviction in their heart to draw him unto himself. But again, it's a general look. The world is in wickedness, folks. But let's look at Noah this morning. Noah walked with God. Verses 8 and 9. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. What a thought. In a day and age when was it popular for Noah to do what Noah is doing? No. The world is headlong against God. Doing wickedness, thinking only wicked stuff. And then there's Noah. Like the proverbial salmon, and not proverbial because it is true, they go upstream against the flow. Noah was like that salmon. He was bucking the tide. I'm not going the way of the world. It's in wickedness. That's not for me. I'm going towards God. I am seeking after God. I am walking with him. He responded to those stories, yes, of God's provision, of God's love, of God's mercy to mankind, to worship him as God would have him worship. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 7, Noah is one of those men of faith that the writer tells us about, and he says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah by faith lived. He lived for God in a day when it was not popular, but he lived by faith, just as we do. It, regard, it matters not who we find in the scriptures that live for God. They are living by faith. Because more often than not, they've never seen God just like we've never seen God. But we know that he is. Again, as the writer of Hebrews tells us there in chapter 11. He was a just man and he was declared righteous by faith as, again, the writer of Hebrews declares for us. He was a righteous man. He lived for God. His relationship with God was wholehearted. It was complete. That's what the word perfect means here. He had integrity. He was a man who sought after God. There was a consistency in his life of living and walking with God. Does it mean that he was completely perfect, sinless? No. But he was a man that sought after God. He knew God had the answers. And God was the one to be living for. And God sees that. And God is going to use Noah to spare mankind. He's going to prepare an ark. 
What a thought. As Noah prepares that ark, again, looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, Noah witnessed to all those around him. We don't know exactly how long the ark took. Some conjecture it's the 120 years that's mentioned within that passage. God gave them 120 years to get things right. Whether Noah was building that ark for 125 years, I don't know. I don't really think so. But God gave them 120 years to get right. That's a long-suffering God. Now, we know they lived for a long time. I mean, Noah is an old man by anybody's standards. By the time the ark is prepared... But to think that for 120 years, the warning was put forth. God's judgment is coming. Now, when we read the, the rest of the context, you know, what is that judgment going to look like? Does Noah know? No. He just knows God said, my judgment's coming upon this Earth, I'm going to destroy it. How is he going to destroy it? Well, we know the story. God's going to open up the windows of heaven, and it's going to rain. And he's going to break up the foundations of the deep. And the water that is underneath is going to come welling up, and we're going to have a universal flood. A change, a drastic change is coming. What is rain? Well, we know what it is. We had some last night. Noah wouldn't have known what rain was. It hadn't rained before. God provided a mist, dew, if you will, to have the moisture that needed to make things green. Never had it rained water fall from heaven before. But Noah witnessed, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. I don't like to speculate with the scriptures because that's, that really goes nowhere. But you do like to wonder at times, what was it like to have lived with Noah at this time? Building this great ship. Presumably somewhere where there wasn't a large body of water for it. Oh, there's crazy Noah again. He's out working today on that boat. What in the world is he doing that for here? There's no water around here. That's too big to go fishing. I mean, goodness gracious. God's judgment is coming, folks. I'm preparing it to save myself. And I dare say it was open to any and all who would by faith believe. We have a loving God. I know that that ark wasn't prepared just for Noah, Mrs. Noah, his children, his three sons and their wives, to the exclusion of everybody else. 
Because God's offer of salvation is open to all. Anyone else could have arrived and gotten under that ark had they by faith believed God. And he was a witness. Noah is just and perfect, walking with God. His neighbors, what are they? Corrupt, violent, wicked, evil. Those are God's words. He was a preacher of righteousness. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, as he describes Noah to give us, again, a bigger, fuller picture. I break into the sentence in verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. He was a preacher of righteousness. He was a herald. He spoke the truth. He gave to those that would listen and hear the truth of what God had for them. One, his judgment is coming. Repent. Trust God. Believe God. Join me by being on the ark when it's time to go. Who does he have come onto the ark with him? We know. His wife believed. Shem believed. Ham believed. Japheth believed. And their wives Eight people. In the world's eyes, was he successful? I mean, 120 years of God getting the world to come to him, and there's only seven other people beside himself. On a human side, we might not think that he was successful. But I appreciate what Dr. Bob Sr. would say back in his day. Success is finding the will of God and doing it. That's success. Did Noah find the will of God and do it? He sure did. God said, build an ark. And he did so. I think to the chagrin to the complaints, to the whatever the society would have said to him. I don't think it was favorable while he was building that ark. You're building it for what? God's judgment? Who's God? You're wasting your time, Noah. All the derogatory things that may have happened, and yet Noah stuck to it. How about us in our day? How easily do we get discouraged when we find someone who is not a believer mock or scorn us because we dare live for God? It's hard. I know that. I understand that. God understands it too. God's grace is available for us. His strength is there. Remember verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He'll do the same for us. 
That's why we have chapter 11 of Hebrews to show us. God's taking care of those in the Old Testament. God's going to take care of you. As he continues chapter 12, we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. He will bring us through. He will give us the grace and strength. Noah's family was one to God because Noah was willing to find grace in the eyes of the Lord, to walk with God regardless of what was going on. What an impact to see that as Shem, Ham, and Japheth are growing up. We can oftentimes be embarrassed because of our parents, or we can embrace what they see and are doing and joy and rejoice that they're willing to stand up and do what's right. I think back in my own, in my own family, in my own life, as I've noted, I'm, I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Navy. He never served in Vietnam, though he served throughout all those years. He was never sent. But those of us that are old enough to remember know that come the late 60s, with the protests against the war, anybody wearing a uniform was marked for derision. It didn't matter whether they had been there or not. And I can remember as a child down in California, this would be more in the mid-60s when that stuff was just happening, I can remember dad running home to get into the apartment because there were people demonstrating outside and they didn't like seeing him in his uniform. I can remember that as a kid and the impact that it made. I mean, I still remember it to this day. Shocked that people would hate my dad because he was wearing a uniform for our country. Did that stop him from wearing that uniform? No. When his enlistment was over, he enlisted again and would retire from the Navy. I appreciated his willingness to stand he believed he was doing what he thought was right, serving his country. And he was willing to take the ridicule, the disdain, because he knew it was right to do. Noah's family was one. Chapter 7, verse 1, and then verse 7 says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Then verse 7, And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Noah's family, his immediate family, were the only converts. Why? Because Noah stayed true to God. And obviously it made an impact on his children and their wives that they too would follow and serve the Lord. 
We don't know the impact that we're going to have on our family, but they do see us. I've never told Dad those remembrances. I probably should before he passes. But it makes an impact. We stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. It will make an impact, and I trust, for the better. For those following. Is it a guarantee? No. Because the image is the same whether it's to the children or to his neighbors. Everyone's seeing the same thing. Here's a group that rebels. Here's some that follow. Praise God for those that followed. They were spared. They lived in the relative safety of a ship, floating on top of that floodwaters that God unleashed on this earth. I wonder how many stood around that ark, banging on it, when the rains came and the fountains were broken up. I believe now, but it's too late. God's closed the door. The day of judgment has come. The opportunity for repentance has passed. They weren't believing unto salvation. Because the day had passed. To me, it must have probably been an awful sound. Yet they were in safe inside. And I dare say that they may have been weeping. Friends and neighbors that could have come. But now it's too late. The door is closed. We don't know when that coming day is. The rapture will occur, folks. We don't know when that day will be. Again, as, as I've said off some, a few times, at least in my preaching here, as we look around us, I really think we may very well be the generation to hear the trumpet. We should be looking for it, just like every generation prior to us has. I mean, Paul was looking for that day. Peter was looking for that day. That first generation Christianity was looking for that day. And every subsequent generation that has understood that has been looking. We could be the generation. When we see the wickedness around us, the rejection of God's word, it certainly looks like we're setting ourselves up well for God's judgment to finally say, enough's enough. My judgment is coming. And before that to happen, he's going to take his children out. And that trumpet will sound and the shout will be heard. The dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. But until that day, we're his ambassadors here on this earth, just like Noah was, a preacher of righteousness to herald forth. Here's the truth of God's word. Believe it. 
receive it because it's your only means of missing the coming judgment. May we be like Noah and truly have our name filled in after the but. But Brian found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He walked with God. May we be able to fill our names in as God works in us and through us to be a light and salt to the generation in which we live. The world doesn't need therapy. It needs Christ. We see them one to Christ and we see the beginnings of how they can be fixed. Because at the heart of the issue is a sin problem. And when that's gotten right, the rest of it starts to just kind of naturally unfold, unravel, and the right direction can be set in place, pointing them to Christ, pointing them to God who is now there and really willing and able and ready to help and intervene. Men, are we Noah's in our day? Our families need Noah's. The world needs Noah's. May we be that Noah in our day. To find grace in the eyes of the Lord. To be a just man and perfect in our generations. To walk with God. That's what he desires of us. May we do so, regardless of what the world may think. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the testimony of Noah. We thank you for the account that we have written here. He found grace in your eyes. He walked with you. He was a preacher of righteousness. He lived by faith. Father, may we as men gathered in this room and women gathered in this room be seen in thy eyes just as Noah was in yours. It's doable in our day if it was in his. Father, I pray that we would be found in thy sight, full of thy grace, walking with you. Pray, Father, that if there is someone here that has, is wavering, and it certainly is doable, the onslaughts of the world can be so unrelenting, we can be beaten down, discouraged. Father, may our eyes be refocused on thee. You will give us grace, strength, courage, integrity to be able to weather the storms that are about us. May we keep our eyes set fast on thee. 
Father, if we have grown weary, may we seek thee out this morning. Ask for forgiveness where we've sinned. Ask for your strength to stand for you. Doesn't mean that we are obnoxious. But Father, we're to be filled with thy grace, to spread forth the truth of thy word. May we be found so. The day and age in which we live is truly a wicked generation. Your judgment is coming soon upon this earth. We have the source of rescue, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we herald that message. May we too be preachers of righteousness, pointing others to the salvation that is found in Christ and Christ alone. Father, it's not something that happens just on Sunday. Your working will be needed tomorrow. As we leave the confines of our church building, the fellowship of fellow believers, and we find ourselves encircled by the world as we work, as we play, may we stand true to thee tomorrow being the salt and light in the earth that we may see some come to Christ, that we may see fellow Christians strengthened and encouraged for they too to live for you and serve you. Draw us close to thee, we pray. May we walk humbly before thee, for this is your work, not ours. We'll thank you for what you will accomplish. In Christ's name we pray, amen.